I'm Jen Rice, and I've been a healthcare provider over 20 years. But I went from sick, burned out, overstressed, really over it all, to putting my own health first, gaining back control, and cutting through all the confusing and information out there on aging and wellness trends so that I could use the power of functional and integrative tools to heal myself and then help others do the same. I believe the perfect medicine is at the intersection of allopathic, functional, and integrative approaches. And I use my years in clinical practice and board certification in functional medicine to empower, inspire, and create conversation all around various topics that will hopefully be of value to you and those you love. This Functionally Fit podcast episode is brought to you by Love Your Gut Club, a membership platform that is designed to help heal and optimize your gut health. We know that when our guts are in humming along, the microbiome is in tune, that chronic disease doesn't stand as much of a chance, our immune systems are empowered, our allergies go down, and really our moods even improve. So if you'd like to learn more about Love Your Gut Club, go ahead and send me a message through this platform, or you can certainly go on the website at jenrice.podia.com, that's J-E-N-N-R-I-C-E.podia, P-O-D-I-A.com. I hope you enjoy this episode and take care. Hello and welcome to the Functionally Fit Podcast. I'm Jen Rice and I have a really wonderful guest today who is going to help us, I think, a lot with the whole movement piece of of being like, quote unquote, functionally fit. Um, Emma Green is here with us today. Thanks for being here, Emma. Thanks for inviting me, Jen. I'm so happy to be here with you. Great. So Emma and I met, um, I guess it's been about several months back now, and we both have a a significant passion for helping other people. We met while, um, you know, creating certain programs that help people to just be more healthy and to address specific needs. And so Emma has been dubbed the, um, the queen of the tennis elbow. And so tell us a little bit about your background, Emma. I know you're a physical therapist. I'm sure that some listening aren't really even if you could even back up enough to tell us about uh, what kind of training even goes into becoming a physical therapist and what that looks like I think that could be super helpful yeah absolutely thanks thanks Jen Um, so I you can probably tell from my accent I'm from England and um, so I, I grew up in England and I was very sporty as a kid I was actually a gymnast myself Um, And always knew I wanted to do something career-wise to do with sport. So I actually got injured myself when I was uh, 12, 13 years old, ended up in the local physical therapy department. And I can remember sitting there looking around thinking, I could do this. And as I started to investigate it a little bit more, I started to realize that physical therapists work with sports teams. And I was like, oh, here it is. This is (laughs) is my perfect career. So from the age of 13, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. 
did all my classes through high school towards getting into college to become a physical therapist, found local mentors that I could go and sit in and watch and just consumed as much as possible. So um, in the UK, physical therapy is a three-year degree. Um, and so I went through my three-year degree, came out as a physical therapist, started working for the National Health Service um, in the UK, which is working in hospitals, seeing tons of different patients in lots of different specialities. But I also started working in sport. And so for the first 10 years of my career, I worked in sport. I worked with a lot of um, international sports teams. I traveled all over the world, which was flipping amazing. Um, and the highlight of which was actually working at the London 2012 Olympics. Which oh, was wow. Phenomenal. Yeah. So it was yeah. great. What, so um, what kind of sports teams? Um, just all kinds of sports or? Yeah, uh, it, it, was, it was a lot of varied sports. Um, predominantly field hockey. Mm -hmm. netball gymnastics of course that was sort of my my main sport soccer table tennis um lacrosse all kinds of different sports and it was just so much fun I really enjoyed it and the, of course the traveling side of it was phenomenal and just being part of the team was amazing um so then fast forward to 2005 moved to southern California had a couple of kids that slowed me down from the traveling <laughs> yes <laughs> Right. So my career took a little bit of a diversion at that point, and I was working at the local hospital uh, in an outpatient clinic, seeing orthopedic clients, um, and I got asked to see a professional drummer who had had tennis elbow for 18 months. He'd been all over the place trying to solve this because obviously as a drummer with tennis elbow who can't play, that's a massive problem. Um, and he was seeing one of my coworkers, and we happened to, to share a desk and we were sitting one evening and she said, I've got this patient. And she started telling me about him. And, and I said, you know what, put him on my list. Let me have a look. And, and he was he he was a pivotal point in my career again, because um, I worked with him for about six months, got him back playing drums. He is now completely fine playing drums. And I can remember I got a, a phone call from the surgeon who'd sent him to, to my, my friend at the hospital. And she said, what did you do? How did you? How? She, she just couldn't believe what had happened with this guy. So for the last 13 years, she's been sending me all of her tennis elbow clients. And I've been dubbed the tennis elbow queen because probably 75% of my caseload is tennis elbows. Oh, wow. So with the... Um you know, I guess the program that you have for this, does it also work for like golf injury, but like the reverse, right? Cause that's one's medial, one's lateral. Exactly. Um, tennis yeah. is the lateral, right? Mm -hmm. And then medial is, uh, so towards the body is the yeah. golf one. And we would probably uh, see a lot of golf You know, it's funny. Elbows. I see a lot of golfers with tennis elbow in their oh, non-dominant arm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. I know it's, it's surprising, but yeah, they, they do. What but does tennis yeah. elbow come from? Is it overuse or strain or all the above or what is it tends to be overuse. Overuse is, is the main issue. And actually at the start of lockdown, I started seeing a lot of people with tennis elbow who had all of a sudden changed their ergonomics because they, they were working from home. So all of a sudden, instead of that lovely ergonomic setup they had at work, they're now working on their, their kitchen table on a laptop. And people oh. were developing overuse issues from that change. 
The other thing people were doing was a lot of yard work. They were painting fences. They were putting patios down. They were doing all of this yard work because they were at home. Right. And people were developing tennis elbow from doing those types of issues as well. So it tends to be an overuse. It can be traumatic. So it can be a bump or, or uh, a direct trauma to that elbow. But most of the time it is overuse. And then once they do the steps or take the time and work that it takes obviously to correct, then they also have like a maintenance trying to not re-injure or trying to not re, um, you know, have to keep having the tennis elbow problem again and again and again. You have some things yeah. to keep them yeah. from that. Yeah. The, the, the program that I take them through gets them to the point it's, it's almost like it reverses it as though it was never there. So they don't have that issue. Okay. Um, if anybody tells me, oh, yes, I had tennis elbow in the past and I still feel it a little bit on my backhands. I'm like, mm -hmm, you're not fully healed. So okay. so my goal was with my program is that they get to 100 percent back to doing everything they want to do. No restrictions whatsoever. Never have to worry about it again. And let's um, let's also this is a great place for us to dive into this you are a physical therapist 100% virtually now. And if someone's listening to this and they're like, well, that's great that she lives in California, but I live in Minnesota and blah, blah, blah. This is why you have created these type of ways of reaching people so that you can have a better impact regardless of geography. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so it was probably... About four years ago now, I think, my, one of my best friends at home in the UK developed tennis elbow. Mm. And I'd just seen her post on Facebook. And so I messaged her. I was like, what? Do, do you not know what I do? And she said, of course, I know what you do. But you're 5,000 miles away. I can't exactly pop into the clinic. And I said, right, let's jump on a Zoom call. So we did. And I worked with her over the course of a couple of months. And within, so we started working in the, together in the August by the November, she was back playing field hockey. And they couldn't believe, again, how quickly she'd resolved and how quickly she'd got back to doing everything she wanted to do without me ever laying my hands on her either. You know, we were 5,000 miles away. And it was at that point that I was like, hey, you know what? This works remotely. There are so many more people now that I can help with my program. Let me put it together like that and package it up. I love that. I think that's so awesome too, that with this, um, there are, there are a lot of not so great things that came out of the, the pandemic. And if you're listening to this recording, we're still in a global pandemic in year two, although a lot of us are somewhat, um, <laughs> you know, like begrudgingly still in a pandemic, but it is what it is. And the news is what the news is. And and it is, um, you know, something that could potentially be around a bit longer. And to be able to, though, live in a time where you can hop on a video, even how we're recording this podcast now is on video, is just so powerful. And I think that, you know, there have been some really great things that have come out of it, the utilization of people like you um, that can be remotely accessed, that you don't have to go into a place three days a week uh, and that kind of thing. So I think this is like the way of the future. It's right in line with all of this um, home monitoring systems. I know um, some of my uh, 
friends that are in primary care are starting to use a lot of these home diabetic monitoring options. There are um, ways to monitor your weight where you can hop on it and, and someone sees the scale. So there's help with that kind of thing. So there's just a lot of really great things coming. If you're willing to, to kind of think outside the regular you know, box that maybe we, you know, how our parents were treated or their parents and start embracing some of these things. Um, I think therapy, as you well know, therapy was another thing that became much easier access for people like mental health therapy. And that's giving people greater access too. But um, before we hit record, we were talking about posture and aging. And I think this is a really important area for us to get into a little bit today, if you can help me help listeners sort of understand what's going on with the, the aging and posture and why some of the older people end up more hunched over and even younger people now hunched. And what's, what, I mean, we know a little bit about the phone and the computer, but what's going on physiologically there? Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much in daily life that takes us into that position, and you know that's that's the the sort of the number one thing we think of is is you know when we're on our screens, when you're looking down at your phone or you're looking down at your laptop, but just think about the position that you're in when you're washing dishes, chopping vegetables, tying your shoes, doing the laundry, all of that, all of those different activities take us into that forward head position. And our head is like, it weighs 10 to 12 pounds. So all of a sudden we're putting all of that weight forwards that is designed to be held by that entire spinal uh, column. So our entire spine is designed to be in this nice upright position with that 10 to 12 pounds sort of balanced up on the top. As soon as we go into that forward head position, it's all on your neck. And so it changes the stresses and strains that are going through that area. And the body has to work really hard to keep it in that position. And it's not designed to do that. So the more of the time we're in that position, the more of these abnormal stresses and strains start going through the spine and through those different tissues and the harder the body is working and it doesn't like that. Now, in, in the early stages of that, so when you think about, when I think about my teenage kids who are maybe on their screens and kind of looking down and I'm constantly nagging at them to, to keep your head up and you're gonna hurt your neck and it's not bothering them at all. But if we think 10 years into the future, 20 years into the future, 30 years into the future of somebody who's been in that position for such a long time, they're gonna be developing these issues that are just gonna be niggling on, niggling on, niggling on, niggling on until all of a sudden it's a big, big problem. So I have clients come and see me who are in their, their 70s who say, I can't lie down flat. Mm. When I lie down, my head is propped up and it, yes. it takes ages for me to get my head back there. So we work on different strategies on helping them to be able to do that and to be able to stand up tall. A really good way of testing this out is just to see, can you stand up against a wall? Can you stand flat against a wall? So with your heels touching the wall, your hips, your shoulders and the back of your head, can you get into that position? That is our nice, what we call neutral, upright position that we want to be in. And, and when I test, or when I used to be in the clinic and I was testing this with many of my clients, they just realized they couldn't get their head to touch the wall. They were already developing that forward head posture. And it, it was, it's not necessarily fixed at that time because you can reverse it with strategies and with, with the right exercises. But if you don't change it over time, that does become your new normal and that's mm -hmm. not okay. 
So that's what we want to try and reverse. Yeah, it's so important to, I, um, you know, I work in clinics three days a week and see mostly, um, well, it's all dermatology patients. And though my age group is um, mainly retirees, people over 65, a lot of patients in their 80s, for sure. And when I lean them back in a chair, so we have these like exam chairs that they, they move, they're very, they're pretty fancy, you know, everything moves in a component and so on. But the headrest part is always a little bit of a struggle because I'll say, uh, can you put your head back? Cause like, I'm, maybe I'm trying to do something on the face, let's say, or like taking a biopsy and I'm like, can we, can you rest your head back? It's not a normal position for them to be sitting in that chair. And even though I have a position, the headrest, that would be like, maybe you or I would all of a sudden be like, oh, there's that headrest. It's so comfy. It's not comfortable. And it actually seems like they are a bit, would it make sense that they'd be almost even a bit strained to stay there? Totally. Yeah, okay. absolutely. It's, no, it's not a position. When you think about when was the last time they were in that position? Mm. that is not in that position and it, it does create a lot of strain through that area for sure do you find that um what about these type of devices like uh or the back swings the upside down things um inversion you know, table yes yes i actually don't recommend those um purely because i i did know a lady who it collapsed while she was on it and, okay uh, she, she did have quite a serious injury from that. So for that reason, I don't. Okay. And then what about these things that um, I have a friend that he bought those things that go around, they're like straps around the back. Mm -hmm. what, what do those? Yeah. They kind of pull you back into that yeah. posture. So, so basically when you put anything external on like that, that kind of pulls you into that position, the muscles underneath switch off. So our muscles are kind of lazy. So you put mm. anything like that on that pulls you into that position, the straps are gonna keep you in the position. The muscles that are supposed to keep you in the position are now getting lazy and switching off. So you're actually gonna develop a reliance on using that product. Mm. And that's not what we want. What we want is for the muscles to be able to do that themselves. There is a product on the market that is like a little sort of buzzing device and again it kind of sits between your shoulder blades and what happens is it detects the movement and if you are leaning forwards it gives you a little buzz and it's <laughs> it's like a to make shock collar yeah. okay well that's and they're effective quite problem. effective um and so if somebody is looking for something something like that could be an option but i don't recommend the straps that just pull you back okay that makes and so in in your opinion to like making those muscles more functional is what you're looking to do. It's not a short, there's no real shortcut to that though. That's, that's it. You know, our, our muscles are lazy. They don't really want to do anything. And if given the chance, they will, they would, they would quite like to not really switch on. And so within 24 hours, our muscles can start to waste, you know, it's incredibly quickly. And it can take us six weeks to build strength. There's, there's just no equity there. It's just like, it's, you know, it's like, it's not fair. But if you do put the work in and your muscles are working more effectively and you just get it, you get that overall general well-being from moving and doing the things that our bodies are designed to do. 
You know, our bodies are not designed to be chair shaped. We are not designed to be sitting in concrete boxes and metal boxes when we're in the car. And we're not designed to be doing that. Our bodies are designed to be running around the fields, chasing animals and picking berries. You know, if you go back 10,000 years, that's what we're designed to do. And, and we don't do that now. And so our bodies get deconditioned because they're not doing the things that they're designed for. And that's what we, we want to really try and get people to improve with. So you have a, um, I want to make sure we get this in the perfect posture program. And so you do take people, I know you have, you've had um, clients all over the world, 13 countries. Do you have a, a particular story that comes to mind of someone uh, with using the perfect posture, how things changed for them? Um, I'd love if you could share some kind of uh, just a little insight in case someone's listening and they're thinking, I don't know, Jen, I mean, Emma, like, can I, I don't, how much energy is this going to, you know, is this like, could I really, is this something I do? Like what? Yeah. I don't, I, right. Yeah. I've, I've got a great example of um, uh, a, a client who came to see me um, and he, he's, he's a lawyer and obviously so sits, sits a lot of the day on a computer bending down, picking up files, you know, but very sort of sedentary lifestyle. Um, did enjoy being active outside of, um, outside of work, you know, played basketball and, you know, played with his kids, that type of thing. But the sedentary work was the real problem. And he'd had back pain for 10 years when mm. he first came to see me and, and he was in his late forties, you know? And so for somebody in, at that age who have to have had back pain for, for 10 years, it's it, that's not okay and so I gave him some super simple strategies that he could integrate into his day because the other thing about somebody like him is you know he's he's already doing his, his day is full and, and if I kind of say well you need to be doing these 30 minutes of exercises every day or this hour of exercises every day there's, there's no way he can fit that in so I, I kind of realized that for a lot of my clients I need to give them strategies that they can integrate into their day so it makes it easy for them to do. And then they can start to see the benefits because when you see the benefits, then you continue to do it. And then it becomes a habit. You don't even think about it anymore. It's just one of the things you do during the day. So I gave him these like four different strategies to do every day in his, in uh, just during his, his normal day. And when we, we reconnected probably a couple of weeks later, he was like, I've had no back pain. And just like you could see on his face, just like, Oh my goodness, I'd suffered for 10 years and these simple things have just made it go away. So um, just know that it doesn't have to be hard. It can be things, super easy things that you can integrate into your day, just a, just a little bit here and there that are gonna make life easier and, and pain-free. Yes, yes, that's so awesome. That's where, because when you don't, when you have pain or you feel really stiff or achy, on a regular basis, you're not a super happy person. I've been there. I remember before I changed my, it was food that was doing it to me. Well, a little extra weight too, but um, it was mainly like my, my diet and habits, uh, you know, whether it was drinking, eating both, but I would wake up in the morning and be like achy or always have the muscle tension. And once you kind of remove inflammation, you can heal from that, but same with 
any kind of pain symptom or muscle tension that's ongoing, if you don't have the skills like and, and the ability to kind of try to, you're just kind of stuck in this miserable loop of another day, another more Advil, Tylenol, sometimes much stronger, stronger stuff, right? Uh, there's a reason that there's a huge uh, opioid crisis, uh, that there's a lot of pain. And a lot of people have very real pain that maybe will not be fixed, let's say, by some of the things that we're talking about today. But generally speaking, wear and tear, sports injury, like you're saying, overuse injury. Um, do you deal at all with, um, or do you have people reach out to you about plantar fasciitis? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do. yeah. That, that's something I see a lot of people getting uh, yeah. that, that post about it, uh, that are in my network that ask about it. And um, I know yeah. it can be something where you pick up, like, all of a sudden, you're like a runner, quote, unquote, and, and again, after 20 years of no running, or you're training for something, or starting to just get a program going, and you end up with it bam, plantar fasciitis, like raging, right? So you yeah. have some help for that as well. If, if that yeah, d- yeah, definitely. Um, again, super simple strategies that can be incorporated that just um, allow it to completely settle down. You're making sure you've got decent footwear. And sometimes it can be you needing, needing just a little bit more of a um, solid sole rather than something that's too flexible is just going to keep irritating the plantar fascia. So sort of there are um, there are running shoes and and walking shoes that you can get that have more of like a rocker sole. Mm-hmm. And that rocker sole just completely takes the pressure off the plantar fascia because the sole is doing the job of the plantar fascia. So the, the plantar fascia can then settle down. Um, using a, a bottle of water, putting it in the freezer, getting it frozen and just rolling your foot on that, that can help to just decrease those symptoms. But with something like plantar fasciitis, there tends to be a nerve component as well. And oftentimes this is the thing that's not addressed. And so then it either keeps coming back or it just never settles down because the whole picture is never really looked at and addressed. Yes, I, that, that's so key too. And that's um, one of my favorite things probably about functional medicine too, is that things like these kind of smoldering, annoying, sometimes plantar fasciitis is obviously a huge, a bigger deal than others. Sometimes it's more of a nuisance, but a lot of that, again, rooted in inflammation. Yes, the things that you're doing will help greatly, but also if you're eating uh, you know, a box of cookies every night, probably that's contributing to any sort of chronic inflammation that's happening throughout joints, tendons, all of that. Yeah, um, one thing I wanted to make sure we mentioned too is if someone is listening and they've been maybe quite sedentary for a while, or we've come through this, well, two years now, the first year, there was a lot of couch and movie watching. And some of us are still in a little bit of a habit of that too. And um, you know, you're just feeling like you're overweight. I want to lose 30 pounds. I want to lose 60 pounds. I want to lose, you know, I have people reach out to me and ask a lot of weight questions and it's just not, they're just not feeling like they can they don't know where to start and they don't know how to hit go or, you know, it's just like walking right into a gym is intimidating. 
So what kind of thoughts do you have? I know you say you have a, um, maybe something, that, a tool that can help people with that, that we're going to include with this episode too, in the comments. Yeah. Yeah. I, I use a, a cardio calendar. It's super, super simple, but it literally starts you off so easy and builds you up over, over a period of a month that you get from basically from zero to walking for 30 minutes every day by the end of the month. And that's our goal is to be able to get to walking for 30 minutes every day. Um, but it takes you very slowly, literally, as I say, from, from couch, from zero, all the way up to your half an hour of walking over the period of a month. So yeah, I'm going to absolutely include that here. Um, but the nice thing about that, and, and often what I will recommend to my clients, and sometimes it can be challenging at this time of year, depending on where you are living, but getting outside and getting into nature forest bathing is a big thing that I use for my clients and this is sometimes where people glaze over a little bit because they're like she's talking about my elbow or my back or my something and she's telling me to go and get out into nature this is a bit woo woo but there's so much research coming out of Japan now with regards to forest bathing which is kind of the the phrase that they've coined um, but it's basically getting into nature and what we know is that with chronic pain and chronic pain by its definition is just pain you've had for three months or longer which which is most of my clients um, chronic pain makes biochemical changes in the brain and can even make anatomical changes in the brain so that the brain just keeps perceiving that pain it's just it's almost like a groove you know if you imagine it's just like keep going it's keep going it's keep going it's keep going it kind of this groove is kind of cut into the brain of pain and if you don't reverse that the slightest little touch is going to feel excruciating that's what chronic pain will do to you so we need to reboot the brain and we need to calm the nervous system down and getting out into nature is a really good way of doing that that's what this research is showing it can reverse those um, abnormal biochemical changes in the brain and, and calm the nervous system down and reverse these symptoms of chronic pain. So actually getting out into nature, seeing green things and being surrounded by that is immensely powerful. So alongside the cardio calendar, I, I advise people if they can is to get outside and do it outside. Now, at this time of the year, depending on where you live, that's not always going to be possible. Um, but certainly on, on a, a beautiful day, it's like get out and do your walking outside so you can enjoy that forest bathing too. Oh, that's great. And I think if you're in a city, we could definitely say uh, bundling up and going to certain parks, uh, mm -hmm. even small block, there are blocks, you know, parks that are just as large as like a small block. Then there's very large parks, there's indoor arboretums um, and botanical gardens and those kind of things probably would also potentially, I'm thinking, give you a nurseries, right? Uh, yeah. Plant nurseries yeah, and things. So you could kind of get creative of where you're seeing these things. Yeah, and sure. um, I was, uh, I think even if it's snowy, right, you could just take a nature is nature is nature so it doesn't matter if the trees are palm trees or if it no leaves on the trees you're outside you're in nature you just have to wear extra layers and and don't slip yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so um this has been fantastic i think that there's so much there's so much good work that you're doing and you're helping so many people and so if if 
you're listening to this and you'd like to connect more with uh, Emma, she is on social media on Facebook. And then Instagram, what's your handle there? Uh, Instagram, I'm Emma, well, I'm Tennis Elbow Queen. Oh, okay. That's good. That's easy to remember. And then uh, what's your website in case uh, someone wants to hop on and look at uh, all of the things that you're doing and how to reach out to you with more questions? Sure. So I am tenniselbowqueen.com. Um, and if it's more for the back um, stuff and for the cardio calendar, that would be uh, emmagreenonline.com. Oh, this is so great. Thank you so much for being here, Emma. I really appreciate it. I think that this, um, this episode has been really impactful. And I know a lot of people are chronically suffering from a lot of the things we talked about today. And so hopefully this will really help. Yeah, thanks so much for inviting me, Jen. I've really enjoyed it.